0: All right, glad everybody's here this morning, yeah, come on, give the Lord praise today, come on, now give yourself a little clap, because you made it to church this morning, all right, on a holiday, a holiday weekend, all right, tell somebody next to you, say yeah, say yeah, you made it to church, good job, yeah, and I'm, if you're watching online, I'll say you made it to church, good job, glad you are here today, hey, I've got a couple of real cool, uh, before we get to the word uh, a couple of real quick announcements um, and an introduction to, to begin with. Uh, I love doing this because this is a, a first time uh, being here for a certain creaker by the name of Harper Lita. Is, is uh, she here still? Are you guys in town? Yeah, there's uh, mom Kendra and dad Andrew. Yeah. Hey Lewis, give me a favor. Do me a favor. So, we're going to, here's a little creeker onesie here. So, yeah, will you take that? So, you take that to Harper Lita. Uh, but we just wanted to welcome her as a oh so creek. But, yeah, and, and congratulate mom and dad. Amen. Can you just give them again? Yeah. Love doing that. Uh, first visit. Um, a, a huge announcement, something we've been praying for and believing for. And I'm excited to announce. I've had to hold off on it. But starting like now, starting like right now. Uh, and Cody over here is one of the, the BSM coordinators. It's the Baptist Student Ministry, the Saul Group. They reach out to all their campuses. They are going to begin meeting here at Oso Creek every single Thursday night. Yeah! <laughs> yes. So every single Thursday night, this place there's going to be college students all over our campus. Can we give the Lord praise? But not, not starting this Thursday. No, this Thursday is the Nerf War, right? Yeah, so it's starting off this Thursday is a huge Nerf War on the campus of Oso Creek. There's going to be many casualties, but that's an answer to prayer. Um, so if you know college students or anybody that's in that college student age and, and, and they're having a hard time finding community, say, hey, every Thursday night at our church, there's going to be college students. There's food. There's games, there's, there's teaching and discipleship going on. It's a great time. And so we are pumped to partner with, with uh, the Saul group, the B.S.M., and, and uh, here on Thursday nights, right? Are you excited? Yeah. Dude, that, it pumps me up, man. You guys don't even understand. That's, we've been praying about this for a long time, haven't we, Cody? Yes, yes we have. And so I just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you will join me in faith praying for one of our members, uh, Art and Judy. Judy's been in the hospital um, now for about three and a half weeks, and uh, Art, Judy, I want to say hello. They, they watch us every Sunday, uh, so I just want to say, say, everybody say, hi, Art and Judy. Hi, Art and Judy. Yeah, so we're going to pray for her right now. I was able to visit and pray with her on Thursday, um, but... She's been in the hospital doing some procedures and they're trying to find some things that's going on with her body and she's been in a lot of pain. So Lord, we just come before you right now And we intercede on Judy's behalf, Lord, that you would just, as I prayed Thursday night, you would just touch her body, Lord. Lay your hand upon her, God, and give her your healing touch, Lord, so that she can get back home and recover. And so that her and Art can get back to worshiping here in person, going to their life group on a regular basis, so that they can, you know, they cheer everyone up, God, with their joy, Lord, and and we miss them. So I just pray for them right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen. All right, let's get to the word. Nehemiah chapter four. If you got a Bible or Bible apps, go, go to Nehemiah chapter four. So we're continuing our series. We've been in for quite a while. I think this is like the 11th message. Woo, long. Nehemiah, the power of a godly vision. <laughs> you guys, as like Jay said, you guys are chill this morning. Must be, is this the holiday crowd? I don't know. That's all right. The power of a godly vision. And so this is The second part of a a message in this series that I started last week, they are making fun of me. They're making fun of me. Now, you can see on the Creek Notes, last week we only got through point one. We will get through all the other points today, but we saw last week how Nehemiah and the Israelites rebuilding the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, they began to face opposition and hostility and ridicule. They were being made fun of, okay? Okay. And things weren't going so good. You know, up until this point, you know, chapters 1 through 3, there, things were going pretty well, man. They were building the walls under Nehemiah's leadership. But now, all of a sudden, things aren't going so good. Opposition and ridicule. We read verse 1 of Nehemiah 4. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, this is Nehemiah writing, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And I said last week, you could be prepared that when God does something incredible in your life, he begins to move in your life. You feel his presence more. You've got a personal revival going on. You start to serve in a ministry or serve in a certain capacity for the kingdom of God, or you stand on his word, okay? You can be sure that the enemy's gonna come in and try to knock you down so we started talking about how we can overcome the opposition and even the ridicule that we will, we will face when we pursue the God-given visions for our lives, for our families, for our children, for our grandchildren, for our ministries, and for our church. And so by examining Nehemiah and his story and, 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 and the, the Israelites in Jerusalem, we can learn five ways to overcome this. So number one last week, first off, expect to be ridiculed. You just got to know, gang. You have to know. The entire message last week was about facing ridicule and opposition and being mocked for being believers of Christ. And as believers in Christ, this is going to happen. So we do like like Jesus did in Mark 4 when he faced ridicule. He simply blocked it out, continued to do the work of the Lord. So this week I want to pick up on the second way we overcome opposition and ridicule, as we progress God's kingdom in our lives by being obedient to what he's calling us to do, what he's urging us to do, what the Holy Spirit is nudging us to do, okay? And now that we know we will face ridicule, number two, we have to understand the ridicule, understand the context of it. So the second way of overcoming opposition is to examine and know the ridicule. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. And he, and, and Nehemiah is talking about Sanballat, who's ridiculing them. He said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? He's talking about the wall. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? and burned once at that. I mean, the stones were charred and burnt from when the Babylonians sacked and burned the city down, okay? Verse three says, Tobiah the Ammonite, what a guy, Tobiah the Ammonite, all right, was beside him and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. (laughs) So who is Sanballat? Who is this guy who's ridiculing, Nehemiah and the Jews. He was governor in Samaria. He was an appointed governor. And at this time, the Samaritans were the Jews' enemy. And you actually see this going all the way up into the New Testament, okay? And and Sanballat and the people kind of that he was leading, they had a lot to lose if Nehemiah and the Jews rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Because up until now, with the walls down, they owned Jerusalem. They mastered Jerusalem as they pleased because there was no defense. There's nothing to keep them out. But now if the walls go up and the gates are restored, the city can be defended. They would have to fight them. It wouldn't be as easy to come in and pillage the inhabitants of Jerusalem now. So Sanballat starts ridiculing them, okay? That's, That's the first thing, all right? He's like, He's just gonna to try to insult them and he's thorough in his criticism. He leaves no stone unturned, get that pun there? You get it? No stone, sorry. Lynn, you got it, sorry. And he's shaking his head. I'm just like, womp, 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 okay, all right. He leaves no stone unturned in his scathing ridicule of God's people, all right. So Sanballat and his boy, Tobiah the Ammonite, just begins bombing Nehemiah and and those following him with ridicule and mockery. And gang, ridicule is contagious. There's always going to be people who will ridicule you if someone else takes the lead, right? But that's just cowardice, right? And I think it's funny how Tobiah throws in his ridicule in verse 3, kind of like, that old cartoon sidekick, all right? It's like, yeah, boss, yeah, that's it, man, right? Kind of like if they build the wall then, and then a fox runs along all the top of it, it's just gonna all crumble down. In that little Weasley voice, can you hear Tobiah, right? And Sand Ballard probably would have looked at him and said, really, a fox, stone wall, a fox, that's all you could come up with? You know, give him the backhand, Right? That, but that's what was going on and listen but, but the, the truth is when criticism and, and attacks come from the enemy and that's where they come from the enemy and remember when you're ridiculed because of you're a believer or you're taking a stand for God's word or, or, or you're following Christ it's not you who they're ridiculing it's Christ in you it's Christ shining through you so you can almost say hey hey alright you know that's why the apostles of the New Testament said, count it joy when you face these things because that's showing that Christ is shining through you. So, so when attacks and, and, and even ridicule come from the enemy, listen, as we understand it, we examine it, we find it comes in three ways. That's what you have to understand. First off, as we see in the story of Nehemiah, it's going it, to, they will attack your character. They're going to attack your character, what was the first part in verse two? Well, Why did they say? What are these feeble Jews doing? What happened there? They're calling them weak. What are these weaklings doing? Ah, na na na! you are a weakling. Feeble Jews, okay? When the enemy attacks, he will attack you as a person. He's gonna try to tear you down personally. Look, look, by the world's standards, guess what? As believers, we are weak regarding the world's standards. Why? Because the world measures by prestige and power and money, right? And the world will look at Christians and believers in the church and say, you are nothing. And the enemy will whisper these kinds of attacks in our ears as well. You're not good enough. You're weak. Even as a Christian, you're A horrible Christian and you're weak. You've sinned too many times. How can God love you? You are unworthy. You have no power, right? You're all alone, all that kind of stuff. Listen, you have to learn. Listen to me, believer, in here. Believer watching online. You have to learn who you are in Jesus Christ. That has to be your self-identity. Who you are in Jesus and what God's word says about you. What did Paul say in Romans 8, 31 through 30? He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's, that, sounds, that sounds a lot better than being weak. That sounds like we're strong, right? Amen? And I talked about that three weeks ago with the horse gate signifying spiritual warfare. We are more than conquerors. Look, the world says that our, our faith is a crutch we are weak. The apostle Paul writes about how the world looks at us versus God's ways in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 27 through 28. Paul writes, "Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, Paul writes, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in what? Weakness. Therefore, this is Paul writing, I will mo- most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take, and this is what he keeps going. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties. My goodness, for the sake of Christ, for when I am weak, then I I am I'm strong. Right. When I'm weak, because we can be strong in the Lord and strong in Christ, because he is our strength, right? We talked about a couple weeks ago, and and weeping and mourning may last, but joy comes in the more because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Paul's like, dude, hardships, persecution, sufferings, all these kinds of, all this stuff, ridicules, insults, mockery. He's like, I enjoy that, because it's showing that I'm weak. But he's strong, and when I'm strong in him, then I can be a conqueror more than a conqueror, amen? So what God uses what is considered weak and less to the world, that way he gets all the glory. That way he gets all the praise, amen? Look at this, and we see this all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 14, King Saul's, uh, King Saul's son Jonathan and his armor bearer, they, these two young guys, they climb this steep cliff wall, and the word says, by hands and feet, to take out a whole enemy garrison just by themselves in the Lord's help. In 1 Samuel 17, David, he's a young shepherd boy right now with a little peach fuzz on his chin, but he slays the the big giant oppressor, Goliath, who is ridiculing and making fun of God's people in Israel. And David didn't do it with armor and a sword and all that. No, he did it with a a slingshot and a couple smooth stones, right? Right? When you go to Judges chapter 6, there's a a man by the name of Gideon who God used in a mighty way as a judge to deliver his people. But he said of himself, this is his testimony, I'm from the weakest family in the Jewish tribe of Manasseh and that I am the weakest or the least member of my family. He considered himself weak sauce, gang. (laughs) But God used him mightily for his purposes. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, Paul himself, he said, I am the chief of all sinners, pretty weak, but yet God used him to become the greatest missionary this world has ever seen. Jesus himself, born from a small hamlet of the town of Bethlehem, the son of a carpenter, okay? But he gave his life for all mankind, the most powerful thing in all the world. He willingly laid his life down for us. Listen, know who you are in Christ. Know who you are in Christ and what God's word says about you. And hold on to that truth, even in the face of ridicule and opposition from our enemy. Number two, not only will they attack your character, they're going to attack your calling. People will attack your calling. The enemy will attack your calling. We see this in verse two. Sanballat and Tobiah, like what? What, What? are they gonna restore it? They're gonna restore the walls? Are they gonna begin to sacrifice again to the Lord? What, What? they're gonna build a wall? They're gonna use stones that are broken and busted, even stones that are burnt at that? Ah, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. Maybe it should have been a more sinister laugh. <laughs> something like that, right? I don't know. <laughs> Sandballot. sounds like a sinister kind of guy, right? But that, that's what they're doing. And, and this one, listen, this one really might have hit a nerve with Nehemiah because it's something that he even questioned himself. This could have been a legitimate weakness for our boy, Nehemiah, because he had questioned, you know, man, how in the world, Lord, you've called me down here. How could we build this massive wall with this limited amount of people and with a limited amount of resources? All I have are the resources that the king of Persia sent me with. And when it was originally built, Lord, it was built with so many strong men and they had all kinds of resources. But now I'm limited and it's all trashed. And it's all torn down. How, you've called me to do this, Lord. How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? So that might have really struck a nerve when Sam Bowen was like, "How are you yeah, really going to build this wall? You really think you guys can finish it real quick? You think you're going to build this wall and begin to sacrifice to the Lord your God again? But Nehemiah knew his calling, right? He knew the vision that God had given him. And so what did Nehemiah do? He kept going in the work of the Lord. And listen, you will hear things like that too. Do you really think that you can influence and raise a godly child in this world today with all its unbiblical secular culture? Do you really think that you can start a mission project over in the heart of Africa? Do you really think you can impact your college campus for Christ when you seemingly are a small group or or you're just doing it all by yourself? Do you really think that, that we can pack this building full of people hungry for God? Do you Really, think you can stand up for Jesus at work and not lose face or not lose your job? Do you really think your family members are going to listen to you preach about Christ? How can you finance or support a, a missionary or a mission work when, when you don't seem to have any money yourself? Do you honestly think you can give 10% of your income to God because you're not going to have enough money to pay the bills? Do you really think you can be a godly teacher in that public school environment? Do you really think you can get into government and politics and really make a difference as a believer? You know, All kinds of attacks like these come from the enemy, right? They come from people that the enemy uses. They come from the enemy himself just whispering in our minds here. We have to remember the word of God. Remember the words of the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, for I can do everything or all things through Christ who gives me strength. So when you get ridicule or opposition that attacks your calling, take heart. Put a smile on your face. Know that you are on the right track. And take that ridicule, take that opposition as confirmation uh, for what you're doing. Confirmation that you are walking in the way of the Lord, that you are fulfilling, fulfilling your calling. Ridicule equals confirmation of your calling. See, that, that flips the, narrator, the narration right on its heel, right? That, that's a whole different story. Instead of being like, oh, they're making fun of me, they're ridiculing No, I say, no, no, I'm... I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That's why I'm being ridiculed. Ridicule equals confirmation of your calling. Don't let your critics or the critiques of the enemy steal your vision, steal your goals, steal your calling. And remember this, just like Nehemiah his soul, when what your critics tell you is impossible, it is possible with God, amen? Not with you, they're kind of telling the truth, but with God, it's all possible, amen? You can do the impossible when you put your trust in Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 27, all things are possible with God. Say all things. are possible with God, amen? Thirdly, they'll come against your church. Not only your character and your calling, but they'll come against your church. Greg, I don't see church there in Nehemiah. Four verse two. What does Sam Ballett and Tobias say? What, what will they, t h e y, complete it the wall in a day? They are going to rebuild that massive wall in so short a time? No way! What's going on there? Listen, I talked about this uh, on July twentieth with the message in the series teamwork based on Nehemiah three. They were all working together. They were all getting it done together for the Lord. That sounds like church. Hey, right? Yes. All those living in Jerusalem came together under Nehemiah's leadership and vision and began working to rebuild the destroyed walls and gates that left them vulnerable and exposed. That's why these guys were attacking. They're like, that task is too big for you guys. Listen, the world gang is going to attack us as a body of believers, as we're working together to build the kingdom of God, the church, all right? They will will attack the task that God has laid out for us to win the lost, all right? And why do they do that? Because the world doesn't understand giving up a day to come in and worship and experience the Lord together. The world doesn't understand what we're doing today. It doesn't understand that. They certainly don't understand what I talked about earlier given 10% of what we earn to the Lord, the first 10%, right? The world doesn't understand the great commission given to us by Christ in Matthew 28, verse 16 that compels us to go and make disciples of everyone. That's part of our vision here at Oso Creek. You know, is to spiritual formation and discipleship from birth to death, okay? The world doesn't understand that. The world doesn't understand the concept of denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus, losing our old lives, but yet gaining new ones in Jesus Christ as we follow him as Jesus outlined what I just talked about in Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26. The world will call us fools and they will call us foolish. But gang, this is nothing new. This has been the tactic of our enemy and the people of the world since the early church. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, hallelujah, it is the very power of God, hallelujah. Man, I felt the Lord's presence so much as I read that scripture. The real fool, is the one headed for destruction. The real fool is the one who doesn't turn to Jesus Christ. That's good (laughs) preaching. Woo, (laughs) amen. Listen, in April 1988, back when there was the evening news, okay, (laughs) and now we're streaming everything, the evening news reported on a photographer who was a skydiver. He had jumped from a plane along with numerous other skydivers and he, you know, he filmed the group as they fell and opened their parachutes. On the film's telecast, as the final skydiver opened his chute, the picture went berserk. The announcer uh, reported uh, live in the station that the cameraman had fallen to his death having jumped out of the plane without his parachute. And it wasn't until he reached for the absent ripcord that he, was fall, he realized he was falling without a parachute. Up to that point, his fall was probably enjoyable and fun and very exciting. But tragically, he had acted in haste, and, and it ended in deadly foolishness. Nothing could save him, for his faith was in a parachute that it was never put on, okay? Listen to me for, for a brief moment. The reality is, if you jump out of an airplane without a parachute, that'd be foolish, right? Yes? How many would agree? Yeah? If you need to jump out of an airplane for whatever reason, okay, uh, you put on your parachute. And, and typically, you know, when you jump out of a plane, what you know, what, what is it? people yell? Geronimo! Right? That, how many I know I love movies? okay. I have to say this. There was a funny movie where that's a parody of military, and these Air Force men and women were jumping out of the person And each one was like, "Geronimo, Geronimo!" All of a sudden, a Native American showed up, and he went, "Me!" <laughs> Sorry, I just had—I love. La- Every time I see that, I laugh. It's so funny. Anyway, do you guys get it? Some of you didn't get it. I don't think, right? He <laughs> was portraying Geronimo, and he said, "Me." Okay, never mind. That's all right. Let's get back to my point. All right. Faith in anything but Jesus Christ is just as tragic as the story of that TV reporter who fell to his death, okay, without a parachute. Not putting your faith in Christ and following him is just as foolish as jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Listen, the reality is where we spend eternity is at stake here. And people, we either accept Christ or reject him. You can't be neutral. Neutral. And, and I fear there's many people going to church, they're sitting in church right now and they are not just, uh, churches all over and they're just neutral. Picture yourself in the plane of life. Life is an airplane and it's going down and it's going to be destroyed. And it's like Jesus is in the middle aisle where the, the flight attendants are going on and, and he's, he's handing everybody a parachute because the plane is going down. And when you turn to Christ and you make him your Lord and your Savior, it's like you grab his parachute and you put your faith in what he's given you, what he's offering you, and you jump out secure, okay? But sadly, there's a lot of people like, no, nah, Jesus, I don't need your parachute. I'll do it on my own. I'll be okay. I think I can land on my own two feet, Jesus. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Reach out to Christ. Make him the Lord of your life. 2 Peter 1.10 t- says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all, more eager, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. So I ask, is that you this morning? Have you reached out to Christ? Is, is your calling and election sure? That you are sure? What that means is you are sure that if you died today, and that could be a present reality for all of us. The Bible says none of us are promised tomorrow but you're sure that if you died today, you will be in in, uh, glory with Jesus Christ and he'll welcome you in. Not because of your good works or or your morality or you've given this or that. No, just because you said yes to Jesus. Listen, you have got to know that he is the Lord and the Savior of your life. You have got to make that personal decision. You say, yes, Christ, I will follow you. I'll give up my life and I will follow you. It's easy, you just confess you're a sinner, you repent, turn to him, you dedicate your life to serving him and living for him, Romans ten nine. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You grab the parachute. Jesus is offering you life. He's extending you a safety net to catch you. Accept it and live for Christ and then jump into his service, Amen. Listen, there's, there's no middle ground. Either he's the Lord of your life or he isn't. And if he is, rest assured that ridicule, persecution, and opposition will come, okay? So let's get it done for Christ. Let's work together in unity to advance the kingdom of Christ, okay? So that bumps us to the third way we can overcome this opposition, and that is to rely on God. So not only expect opposite, expect ridicule and opposition, no, they're gonna attack your Uh, your calling, your character, our church, okay? And once that all comes, now you rely on God. Nehemiah 4, verses four through five. Nehemiah gets busy by praying. After the ridicule comes, okay, he prays to God. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Ooh, check out this prayer, man. Woo! turn back their taunt on their own heads, and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Woo! Dude, Nehemiah got busy in prayer. <laughs> Notice, he didn't fight them back. He didn't get in the name-calling game with them. He just prayed, and he turned it over to God. Now, this ridicule, it upset him. It angered him. He's mad. He's hot. You can tell by the tone in his prayer. He wants justice. I, 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 I like what pastor is. A pastor by the name of Chuck Smith started the Calvary Chapel network of churches. But before he passed, he, what he says in regards to Nehemiah's prayer is funny. He's... He's like, Nehemiah is sort of praying, judge them, Lord. Send them to hell. And that's pretty much what he says, Lord. Lord, don't blot their guilt out from them, Lord. You know, he's just like, Nehemiah is hot here. Listen, guys, when the opposition and the ridicule comes in, don't fight back on your own. Don't get into their game on their level. Why? We see why in Proverbs 26, verse four. Don't answer a fool according to his or her foolishness. Why? Because you'll be like them yourself. Wow, but we do that, don't we? Yeah, we do. No, no, no. Take it to God. Pray about it. Let Him help you. Rely on Him. The enemy would like to get you all distracted, to get you to lose focus. And I, I would dare say, not act in a Christ like character by getting into this I'm going to fight back game. Now, there's a time to stand for Christ for sure. There's a time to to stand up for Jesus, to fight for Jesus, but we're not talking about a a tit for tat, let's argue, let's fight, let's respond back in kind like the world does. Man, this is convicting because this happens a lot in the sphere of social media, right? Right? Anybody else find themselves wasting time because they're arguing back at ridicule from a comment or something that someone made to you on social media? Am I the only one? I'll raise my hand. No, Nobody else? I, I know there's a ton of hands out there. I just can't see because these lie. So thank you for, for agreeing with me. No, guys, for sure. And I have pastor in my screen names. Yikes! <laughs> Dude, trust me, every time I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should say that. Delete, you know what I mean? Delete, delete, delete. Because people will, hang okay, pastor, you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. Oh, sheesh, right? But we can, man, it's very easy on social media. You see somebody that posts something that you don't like and you're like, well, I'm gonna take a stand for Christ. Start arguing, all of a sudden, because... 30 minutes and you've got a 30 comment chain of back and forth with this person. You've not changed their heart. You've not changed their mind. Instead, you've displayed probably a horrible Christ, uh, an unchristlike like attitude. More than likely, right? Gang, what we have to do, what I'm talking about relying on God is we have to take the meek road. In Matthew chapter five, verse five, Jesus said, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the kingdom of God. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. What does meekness mean? It means being gentle and humble and mild, not asserting yourself over others in order to fulfill your own agenda and your own strength. It means not being easily provoked by someone who's coming against you. You're not a, real, uh, you're not a revenge-seeking kind of a person, okay? And instead of fighting people back with your words and actions, guess where you fight? You fight on your knees. You send God some knee mail, Okay? You guys like that? That's not in my notes. That was just divinely inspired right there, all right? You send God some knee mail, all right? We need to have a shirt, you know? Oso Creek, we send God knee mails. Anyway, but what I'm saying, you pray, you turn it over to God, you rely on him, and here's the key. You let God act and fight for you. You let God do the fighting, you know? And and he works on people's hearts. Look, guys, a bulldog can whip a skunk, right? But even a bulldog knows it's not worth the battle, all right, with a skunk. Turn it over to God, all right? The fourth way we overcome opposition and ridicule that we learn from Nehemiah, rely on God and then stay engaged in the work. So after facing all this ridicule, we see Nehemiah in verse six writes, so we built the wall. Boom, mic drop, right? <laughs> so we built the wall And all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. They built the wall. While the ridicule was going on, while they're facing opposition, just like we talked about in point one last week, you just ignore the ridicule, you ignore them and you get to work for the kingdom. Is this always an easy thing to do? No! But it's vital. Why? Because if Nehemiah would have countered back and the Jerusalem people would have countered back then the people working would have you know, got all involved in this tit for tat and kind of craziness and slowly but surely the critics and the criticism would have become all of their focus forget about the wall forget about what god's called us to do our focus now is on you know replying back to this criticism that's our focus but instead of doing that they kept building they ignored it they kept working they kept their attention and focus on the vision from god because what happens when we face criticism i'm the chief of sinners in this we try and defend ourselves right And typically we mess up. And I've been so guilty of this in my life. I have said hurtful words before. I have said words that cut right to the heart because I was trying to defend myself. I learned a long time ago, if somebody comes at me, there's a few some certain words, especially if you know the person, you can get them. And that argument is over fast. Wrong attitude and very wrong actions, Greg. And I've had to apologize too many times in my life for that. But we can all do that, right? We try to defend ourselves and usually we end up just making a mess of it all. And so instead of turning our focus and intention towards the critic, turn it towards God and our focus towards God and what he wants us to do. And notice they were at the halfway point here. Halfway, the wall was built to half its height. What happens when we get halfway there? It's so easy to give up, Right? To get to halfway and then we want to take a break. Or there's a big letdown. We're at the halfway point. If you're climbing a mountain, you get halfway there. You look at the time like, do I really want to go to the top? Oh, man. And many people go back down, right? You buy a brand new car. And it smells beautiful and great at first. But you get halfway to your, you know, all your loan payments. And you're like, why did I buy this thing? I'm paying every month, right? You're in a marriage, and you get to that middle point, that midlife crisis point. You see, a lot of marriages quit and give up instead of keep going. That's what happens. How do you keep going at the halfway point? How do you keep going? We see it in the Word of God in this verse. The people had a mind to work. That's so good. Listen, have a mind to work. Have a mind to give. Have a mind to serve. Have a mind to get busy doing the kingdom work of God. Raising your children, raising your grandchildren, standing up for the word and for Jesus Christ in all spheres of life. If you face opposition or discouragement because your vision isn't happening you know, as you think it should or there's challenges, a spouse is challenging you, an older child is challenging you, a neighbor is challenging you, a boss or, or whatever in life and family and marriage at the halfway point, rely on God, set your mind to work and in the words of that one dude, get her done. <laughs> E-R, get her done, all right? Get it done for Jesus. It's like I said uh, quite a few weeks ago, do what you can where you are with what you have faithfully for the Lord. That should be a new motto right around here. Do what you can where you are with what you have faithfully for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Jake and the team, if you want to come up, this is our last point in overcoming opposition and ridicule. The last point is to finally answer it in the right way. Answer it in the right way. We see this in verses seven through nine of Nehemiah four. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, so now there's a whole crew that's coming around. It's no longer just Sanballat and and, uh, Tobiah. Now it's the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. And they heard the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight. That's no longer just ridicule. Now, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, they're about to do the sticks and stones, okay? To together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Here's verse nine. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. So what happened to build the rest of the wall, and you'll see if you read later, they prayed and then one, they, got, they teamed up and one person would build and one person would put some armor on and watch day and night. The enemy was upset and they were coming to attack because the Israelites, they were rocking that wall. There's another pun. you guys get it? No? All right. It was going up. The enemy doesn't like it when God is doing good things in your life in your kids, in your family, in your church, in your ministry. So what do you do? What did Nehemiah do? He took action with prayer and practicality together. He prayed and took correct action. He prayed and he took correct action. You know, there's sometimes a a person, here's what I mean by this, a a person or a church will pray for finances and they'll just kind of sit around and wait, okay? Okay. Oh, Lord, just let the money rain down, God, okay? That's good, but along with prayer, there needs to do some fundraising. Maybe cut some cost in areas. Work on some new income methods, okay? Sometimes as believers, you'll hear people pray for revival and they'll wait for God to just explode all around them, you know? Lord, send revival. Lord, send revival. That's good, but along with prayer, you need to have an expectation. You need to be reading God's word. You need to be praying and fasting and repenting. You know, I pray that God protects me and my wife and my daughters from burglars at home, especially at night. What do I do after I pray? Do I go around and open up all the windows and doors and sleep like a hibernating bear? No, I meticulously and routinely go around all the house to make sure all the doors are locked and shut and and check all the locks, right? That's practicality. I pray in practicality. Nehemiah prayed for God to do his part, but then Nehemiah did his part by setting a watch for the enemy day and night day and night. Watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. If you're a student of God's word, you've heard that before. Jesus said those words in Mark 14, 38 and Luke 21, 36. Peter made reference to watching and praying in 1 Peter 4, 7. Paul said it in Ephesians six eighteen and Colossians 4, 2. The psalmist mentions watching and praying in Psalms 5, verse 3. Why pray and keep watch? Kind of much like the old patriotic song during World War II by Frank Loesser, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we, we take it all to God and then we keep watching, recognize the enemy and his tactics. And that's what these last two, this message in last week's all about. Recognizing the tactics of the enemy. Don't be ignorant of what's going on. Don't believe the enemy's lies and whispers in your ear. No, be aware, keep a guard, know your weapons that we have in the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God. And pray, 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 for he, our Lord, is greater, amen? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, as the word says. There's a saying that I love. It's like, you pray like everything depends upon the Lord. And then you act and do like it all depends upon you. Pray and keep watch. That's how we overcome ridicule and attacks of the enemy. So if you're here this morning and you're being ridiculed or you're being opposed or you're being attacked or, and if you're not right now, it, it, it will probably come somewhere, social media with a family member or neighbor somewhere, somehow. Don't give in, don't quit, don't stop. Trust in the Lord. Rely on God. He's your strength. Know that, man, if you're being attacked, that means the enemy has a target on you. And in a way, that's a good thing because you're following in the Lord, following in the Lord's steps and doing what he's called you to do. God, we come before you right now. and I praise you for your, your grace. I, I praise you for loving us. Thank you, God, so much. He, Jesus, you paid our debt. You you, you paid a debt. We we could never repay you, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that that you didn't say, well, if you want to repay me, you got to do all these different crazy things. No, you just, just said, follow me. Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. And when you do that, you'll have life. And Lord, I pray for anybody that's here this morning or watching online, and they are not sure about their salvation. Holy Spirit, convict their heart. God, I pray that before they leave this building, as Peter writes in the New Testament, they will make their election and calling sure. They will trust in you and believe in you. They'll say yes to Jesus. Eternity is at stake, Lord. Jesus, you came to give them life. You came to give them freedom. And I pray for their soul right now. Lord, for anybody that's facing ridicule at school from a professor, from friends, maybe they're being left out, maybe they're being overlooked. Maybe there's a a believer here in our our family who they've been passed over for promotion and advancement at work and they know it's because they're a believer and they stand for your word. There are all the different ways that the the enemy try to ridicule us and attack us. Lord, give them strength right now. God, give them unwavering faith. Let them run to you and put their trust and confidence in you. Let them know their strength is in you and give them hope and encouragement and peace this morning, I pray. Hallelujah. We ask this in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior, amen. Amen. Keep fighting the good fight of faith, believers. But do it as we see in the word of God, as the apostles did, as Jesus did, as we see like Nehemiah did. Let's learn from God's word, amen? Don't give up. Don't let vision die. Don't listen to the lies and critique of the enemy. And if you're here this morning... And you're not sure. Listen, that's not a scare tactic. It's just the truth. It's a spiritual truth. You're not sure about your eternal destination. Dude, I'm gonna be way over here in this dark corner, (laughs) over in our student section. No, I love it. As everybody's leaving, I'd love to pray with you. Welcome you Welcome you into the family of God, amen? Come see me. I'd love to pray with you. Let's sing this last closing song before we go out into our mission field that we've been called to, amen.